Good job, Corey, right? <laughs> Woo, thank you, Lord. Well, th- like Corey said, welcome, and thank you for being here today. I hope you had a great holiday, and, you know, you didn't overindulge. But if you did, Lord bless you. You, you will be all right. Just don't keep overindulging. The only thing you can overindulge in in this life and get away with it is the Lord himself. <laughs> Amen. Anything else, it's probably not going to be that good for you. Right? <laughs> but it's okay to overindulge in the Lord. In fact, I really highly encourage it. The more you indulge in the Lord, the more you want to indulge. He's addicting. I mean, that's probably not a great word, but he really is. I mean, we're going to redeem that word and use it in the right way. Amen? Amen. Well, Lizzie Stein's going to have a baby. Give her a big hand. She got married. When did you get married? May? Yeah, we married her in May. And she's already going to have a baby. Nine months later, right? (laughs) Well, we know it's nine months later because somebody wouldn't be alive if it wasn't. Because if Dean didn't get him, me or Marlon or Ryan or somebody would have got him. (laughs) Just kidding. Anybody else pregnant in the room? Any other ladies pregnant in the room? Raise your hand if you're a lady and you're pregnant. If you're a guy and you're pregnant, we don't just keep your hand down. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Why don't you stand up, Lizzie? We can pray for you. Well, come up here. Any, if you're, uh, hey, come up here. Let me just say this. Any lady in the room would like to have a baby. If you would like to have a baby this morning or, you know, at some point. Well, you can come up here, too, and we'll pray for you. You know, I think there's anointing for babies. Um, when we were young Christians and we, you know, people were getting married and this question of birth control would always come up, right? You know, this, you know how women are. They talk about stuff like that. <laughs> Men really don't. I'm just going to let you know that. And I, but they would ask the question, are you using certain, you know, any kind of that kind of stuff? And they said, well, we're just trusting the Lord, and the response would be, oh, well, you're going to have a lot of babies because the Lord loves babies. <laughs> it's true. The Lord loves babies. And we're happy you're having a baby. Congratulations. And she's uh, actually, Lizzie is a, these two guys are missionaries. Uh, they work full-time in YWAM down in Hawaii. <laughs> actually, there's a big YWAM mission base there, and they, they train people. Students who come, they train them. That's what they do. They train them to go out and do missions. And then they, y'all do some of that too, but not right now. <laughs> but that's what, they're, that's what they do. And uh, we just want to bless them and ask the Lord to help them. Hey, uh, you had a baby recently. I want you to come up here and pray for her. You, yeah, you. Maybe you could come, Will, too, and help them. Bring the baby. No, no. I'm saying you're going to help them. You're going to pray for them. Because they went a long time and didn't have a baby. And the Lord gave them this little beautiful willow. Isn't she beautiful? Yeah. She takes... Yeah, yeah. That's why they, they call Will, Will the Thrill. <laughs> but we want to just... We, we're thankful. And uh, we'll be dedicating this baby uh, probably in the next couple of months when your parents... Yeah, when, in March. When, when their parents who passed our church up in New York comes down so but we just want to pray for you and pray that you will have a 
a blessing on your life having a baby and being parents because it is a blessing. So let's, let's pray for them. Y'all reach your hand towards them. Father, thank you for, for babies. Thank you for Shay and Lizzie. And thank you that she got pregnant and the baby's healthy and the baby's going to be born healthy. And you're going to take care of, take care of them, Lord. You're going to take care of this baby. You're going to show them how to be good parents. And they'll be, it'll be safe. It'll be a safe pregnancy. It'll be a safe delivery. The baby will be whole. And the baby will be perfect in the Lord's eyes. And you too will be good parents. Because if you don't, we will come talk to you. <laughs> in the name of the Lord. So we bless them. And we thank you for them, Lord. We thank you for what you've done in their life. And thank you for using them in YWAM. Amen. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, amen. Yes, Lord. The Lord is good. So I'm going to try to do this message. Oh, mercy, Lord. So I wanted to read this uh, verse, Luke 2.52. Actually, I found out that a lot of people preach this right after Christmas. This has nothing to do with after Christmas. Because it is the next time you hear about Jesus in the Bible and actually, the last time you hear about Jesus in the Bible until he starts his ministry, but it's when he was 12, it says, Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. So at the age of 12, Jesus actually began this process of being prepared to, for his ministry, his three-year ministry on the earth, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. That's a pretty... Serious preparation. He actually at that time stated, "Didn't you know? Did did you not know I had to be about my father's business?" And right before this verse, and so um, for us, you know, I believe this is what the Lord's been talking to me about lately. About us is God wants to increase us. Now, I want to tell you what I when I think increase, I think internal increase. That's how I feel. I feel inside of me because that's true increase. Um, and I have felt, you know, that God began to really give me thoughts about His desire to increase us. And I was with some pastors, you know, and pastors always want to talk about ridiculous stuff. But because, you know, it's the only time you can talk with each other about ridiculous things and everybody kind of be on the same page, you know. Every pastor sort of understands each other to some level. But it always comes around like, well, what's the Lord showing you about 2015? You know, it's like, uh, nothing really. And <laughs> I haven't really asked the Lord about 2015. But it really is a good thing to ask the Lord. Actually, that wasn't 100% true, is the Lord gave me this verse and said, this is what, this is what I have. This is my heart for you. This is my heart for this church. And so, I think it's important, you know, if you look at it, there were four things that he grew in. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. Now, I'm not necessarily looking to get bigger at this point in my life. I mean, I'm kind of happy with the size I am physically. You know, I'm not no bodybuilder or I don't eat a bunch. You know, well, actually, I eat a lot, but somehow God has given me a great metabolism. 
I sort of stay skinny and I eat a lot. I don't know really. Thank you, Lord. If you don't, if that doesn't work for you, I'll pray for you. <laughs> uh, but I really do eat a lot. My goodness, I was thinking how much I eat. Like I should be big as a house, man. But I exercise some. But I believe statue has to do with capacity, inward capacity, to be able to receive more wisdom and receive more favor from God. I I really believe that's what the statue has to do, is God really wants to expand us inwardly so He can really release more into our lives wisdom-wise and more into our lives favor-wise. Because that's how, that's how we're going to grow as people. So I think, you know, in the Bible there's a theme, um, the wineskin. You know, you can't put old wine or new wine into an old wineskin because it'll bust open. And so wineskins had to be renewed and made new to be able to contain the new wine that God wanted to put into it. Because new wine expands as an expansion to it. And that's what I'm talking about. God wants to renew us and make us where we can hold more of heaven's activity within us. And if you're holding more of heaven's activity within you, you will certainly be releasing it. Because if you don't release it, you will not hold more. It will, it will clog up inside of you. And so I believe that's, that's really the thing that I feel like the Lord is saying. Now, I had a dream last night. Uh, and here was, I had a lot, I had several dreams, you know, of pieces, of dreams where God was speaking to me. I saw, this is what I saw, I saw an egg broken over this church. Now, egg means time. That's what it symbolized spiritually, is time. You know, you incubate the egg for the chicken to hatch. And it takes time to do it. And so I've, and I've known for years, I have prayed for years about eggs because God, for some reason, has revealed eggs to me, and I don't even like to eat eggs, you know. <laughs> but I believe God was saying in that dream, it's time. It's time for this expansion. I saw in the next part of the dream, I saw this church, and everything had been taken out of the church. It was an empty building except for one thing, a water fountain. The water fountain is the fountain of life, and this is what the Lord said to me. He said, it's time for an upgrade. It's time for an upgrade. And so I, and, and see, that's the inward thing. That's what I'm talking about. It's time for an upgrade. God wants to clear out things from the past and put new in us, upgrade us spiritually. Are y'all following this? And so I think it's, we're in a time where God is trying to increase our inner capacity to be able to receive the upgrade that He has for each of us. Amen. Let me read Proverbs 22, verse 1. This is a beautiful scripture. It says, a good, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. That's awesome. But listen to this. Loving favor. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. Now, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about loving favor. Loving favor. That's what God wants to release to us, His loving, loving favor. Let me give you this definition. This is by... This guy, Lance Walno, who's sort of a Christian business, uh, what do you call these people who talk and give motivational speakers? He motivates people to believe, and he really focuses on people in the marketplace and government. He said, this is what he said about faith, which I think is just 
goes right along with Proverbs 22.1. Favor is the affection of God towards you that releases an influence through you so that other people are inclined to like, trust, and cooperate with you. Wouldn't you like to have that? Well, listen, let me read this again. You should really be wanting this. If your brain, if you have half a brain today, favor is the affection of God, loving favor, towards you that releases an influence through you so that other people are inclined to like, trust, and cooperate with you. Can you think about that on your work? Lord, give me favor with the boss. Where he likes you, he cooperates with you. When he thinks about giving raises, you come to his mind for some reason. Are y'all following that? See, that's what God wants to do for people. He wants to put this loving favor on us that will affect our lives and affect those around us. And cause things to come. Like It's like we become this magnet, a blessing, where people are attracted to us for whatever. It's not about us. It's about the loving favor of God that's released into us. Are you following that? And that's really what God wants to do. I want to read uh, this quote. This is, this is something that has... Man, this is one of my favorite things. This, this thing, Henry Noeen uh, quote. Uh, can y'all put that up there? I gave you that, right? Yes, sir. It's up there. This, I cannot begin today to tell you how impacting that was when I read that about eight or ten years ago. It radically touched my heart in a, a major way. It opened heaven for me. This is Henry Noeen, who was a Catholic man. Anybody know who Henry is? Anybody in the room? Henry was a theologian at Notre Dame and other Catholic universities and got this notion to move to Toronto, Canada to work in a home for children and young people who were disabled mentally. And he went there, and one of the things he said about it is the first time in his life he had been, been anywhere where the people did not give a rip about who he was and about how educated he was or anything. That was a non-issue for them. And it completely, radically turned his life upside down. Because suddenly he was not known for being Henry, the great theologian. He was just another guy as far as they were concerned. In fact, they considered him to be an equal to them. And it humbled him and broke him. And he became a very spiritual person after that. He became super spiritual. In fact, he would go out and speak and bring these disabled people, mentally disabled people, Power, what do they call it this day? I don't, you have to be careful about what you say, but handicapped. mentally handicapped. He would take them with them to his conferences and allow them to speak. They would, he had them speaking to business people. One time he went to this high-level business thing, and he was just thinking they were going to go with him, you know, to accompany him. They were thinking, we're going there to speak to these people. And he just thought, well, I guess I'm going to have to let them speak. <laughs> and they did, and it was mind-boggling what they said. It was profound what they said. And so this guy wrote this about Mark 111, one of my all-time great scriptures. It's when Jesus was baptized at the Jordan. And the way he said it just captured my heart. He said, Jesus is the blessed one. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, a voice came from heaven saying, You are my son, the beloved. My favor rests upon you. My favor. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that beautiful the way he said that? It's just beautiful. This was the blessing that sustained Jesus during his life. Jesus came into the world to share that blessing with us. 
Isn't that powerful? That blessing that he received that day, the favor of heaven resting on him. And Jesus came and says, I want you to have that same blessing. I want you to share the favor of heaven on your life. And so that's why I'm saying God wants to expand us so we can, we can, that favor can become more of a part of our lives and more part of what we do. I mean, a parent could use some favor with their children, right? Especially when they become teens. Like, you kind of need to listen to what I'm saying. Wouldn't it be awesome as a parent to have so much favor your kids would listen to you and cooperate with you without having to go through some stuff? Listen to this, Job 10, 12. You have granted me life and favor, and your care has preserved my spirit. You have granted me life, granted me life, and granted me favor. That's how we get this favor. It's granted. It's given to us. It's, something, it's not something we earn. It's not something we, we make happen. We, it's not something we do all this thing and God will favor me. It's like, no, this is granted to you. This, and that's what I'm trying. I want you to get this today. You can walk out of here and say, I have been granted the same favor that rests on Jesus Christ. I can begin to walk in that. I can learn how to walk in I'm going to have to grow in it. I'm going to have to figure out how to cooperate with this favor. I'm not saying you're going to know all that. You're going to have to learn that. That's the part of the growth I'm saying that God wants to do in us is teach us how to cooperate with His favor and work with His favor and use His favor in a righteous, pure way. Are y'all good? So, you know, in Job, the Bible tells us in the book of Job that Job was the richest man in the East. And it was because of the favor of God that rests on his life. The richest man. It says that Job sat in the gates... And people came to listen to the wisdom of Job. Why? Because of the favor on his life. It says, there was a time in his life where he says, my words were like butter. My words were like butter to people. And it was favor. It was favor. Well, we know what happened in the book of Job. We know the enemy attacked him and destroyed his life and took all his riches away from him. He lost everything. Even his wife turned against him. Lost his children. All in a moment's time, it's like just like that. One, one thing right to the other was happening to Job. To Job. I, I can imagine him just like, what the heck? What did I do? I'm sure he thought that. Well, you know the story. If you've ever read that book, you should read it. He goes through this long dialogue. I, I'm going to just say this. I love the part in Job when his three friends came, the three friends that have such a bad reputation, but when they saw Job, it says they lifted up their voices and wept because he looked so terrible. And they sat there, I think, for, for 10 days, some ridiculous amount of time. They just sat there in silence because there was nothing in them to be able to say anything. And I've always felt there's times when God calls us into a situation where there's no words the best we can do is just be there. And that means something. It means something. You always feel pressured to come up with something to say. There's always feel pressure to be able to comfort somebody or, or explain what God's doing. But sometimes the best thing we can do is just sit down and weep with people when they're in their messes. And listen to them and just be there. Well, they were doing beautifully for a bit, for ten days. And then they kind of fell away and kind of came up with these thoughts to try to straighten Job out. Y'all know it. I hope, read the story. It's amazing. It's a big, long, big discussion. 
You know, a long, big discussion, a lot of crazy stuff was said. You know, Job said some good stuff. They said some stuff that sounded good, but it, it wasn't the right place at the right time, so it wasn't good. In other words, you and I can say something that's right, but it's the wrong time, the wrong place, the wrong person, and God is saying, that ain't right. I think I've told this story over and over because I learned this lesson the hard way. There was a woman in the, in the church, and I can't keep saying it. It was this person in the church, and she had done something really bad and had this bad stuff going. And the Lord told me all this information about her. And I said, well, I'm going to have to talk to her about this, Lord. And he says, no, you're not. You're going to talk when I tell you to talk. You're going to keep your mouth shut and pray for her until I tell you to speak. Well, it went on for a while, like weeks and weeks, months. Finally, one day, I, and I would ask the Lord, I said, should I say something? No, okay, good. Finally, one night, I was at a weak point, I guess, because I said, I'm going to talk to her. I'm tired of waiting. I talked to her, and she looked at me with tears in her eyes, and as sincerely as she could, she said, Byron, everything you said was right. Everything you said was right. Please forgive me. Please pray that God forgive me. And she walked out of the room, and I never saw her again, because she was so wounded and offended at my words. Even though they were the truth, that it was the wrong time. She wasn't re- It took her years to get over that. Literally, it took her years before she would... I found out all this about one of her friends. They told me, like, you really messed up. What did I do? I told her the truth. I told her in a very gracious, loving way, but it wasn't, it wasn't the right time to do it. You know, sometimes... Really best to be quiet. Anyways, are you all right? So the Bible tells us that Job, when he came out of it, this is interesting. When Job came out of his troubles, the Bible says that God restored to Job double. Double. So here's, here's some thoughts. One, the book. Of, this, is, this is just a few thoughts from the, the other stuff I wasn't really, I don't know why I was telling you that, but. Number one, this is what the book of Job will tell you. Righteous people will suffer in this world. That's what it says. Jesus confirmed it. In this world, you're going to have sorrow. You're going to have difficulty. That's, that's the Bible. We can't escape that. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry as anybody in this room, trust me. But that's, what it, that's one of the things. But that's not the only thing it teaches. It also teaches this. And this is what I really want you to get. It teaches when God restores you from suffering, that He will double the blessing on your life. That's what it teaches. Now, that's what I want you to hear this morning. Because a lot of people in this room have suffered some stuff. We as a church have suffered some. And I believe God is saying, listen, it's true you're going to suffer. It's true you're going to be pain. It's true you're going to go through the loss. But I'm not sitting back doing nothing about it. And if you go through the scriptures, you will see the significant people in the Bible like Abraham, Moses, David, Joseph, the son of Jacob. They were all what David says in Psalm 4.1. You have enlarged me in my distress. You've enlarged me. You didn't shrink me. You enlarged me. You made me greater in my distress. And so what we have is a choice in our lives about how we go forward. Because you can get stuck somewhere through distress. You can get stuck and not be enlarged. You can actually be diminished. That's not the heart of God. The heart of God is to enlarge you. But you can get so stuck in your messes and never move beyond it. And it's like a chain. You're chained to the past. 
Are y'all getting that? Now, I know there's people in this room, you're stuck. Listen, I don't care what it is. I just want to say this. I read in John 8 this morning, there was a woman, Jesus was preaching in the temple. There's a bunch of people there. A bunch of important people were there. And they brought this woman in who had committed adultery. And they were saying, well, if we caught her in adultery, they were trying to get Jesus. They were trying to set him up. Because there were so many people there, they knew they could really nail him because they had it. This woman committed adultery, and the law of Moses says she must be stoned. So what? It's true. I mean, they were telling the truth. But this is what Jesus said. He said, all right. All righty. Here's how we're going to do this. The one in this room who has never had a sinful desire. That's what it literally says. A sinful desire. He didn't, you know, your old King James and stuff, or New, you know, it says one who's never sinned like that. It doesn't, the literal says desire. That, it was just a desire in your heart to do something you shouldn't do. He says the one, the one who's never done that, had that, you throw the first stone. And he was scribbling on the ground. Isn't that amazing? And they all headed out the door one by one. Now, to me, that speaks about the heart of the Lord. And it speaks about how God wants to restore people even if you committed adultery. Even if you did something that bad. Jesus then looked at the woman and said, Where's your, where are your accusers? And she said, they're gone. And he said, well, then go on and live a life free from that stuff. He didn't beat her up. He didn't slam her to the ground. He released her into life. That's what he did. He released her into life. And, so, and I'm going to tell you something. I've known people who've committed adultery. They, they, mm, they have a hard time forgiving themselves. They won't forgive themselves. Maybe everybody else is forgiven, but they're, they're, the accusers, their own finger pointing at them. And so if you, I don't care where you are today, if you've even done something like that, the Lord is saying, it's time to move on from that. It's time for you to be free. It's time for you to be free and get back to your true identity. I'm serious. I'm telling you. Y'all, we need to get this because that's Jesus. That's Jesus theology. It may not be church theology, but it's Jesus. And it's, oh, God, that's going to cause all kinds of trouble. Oh, Lord, we shouldn't be doing that. It's going to create this atmosphere, letting people sin. Well, I'm going to tell you, take it up with Jesus. <laughs> take it up with Jesus. That's, what, you know, that's how we, he did it. That's what we should be doing. Anyways. All right. David said, You're, you've enlarged me. Last night in this dream, this is another thing I saw. <laughs> this is crazy. Are y'all all right? I saw this. I saw that we were a piece of bread. And I saw the Lord take the piece of bread and break it. That's what I saw. And I like, oh, God, we're just broken people. And, the, and then the, I thought, every time Jesus broke bread, something supernatural happened. Every time he put his hand on a piece of bread in the Bible and broke it. And see, there's this, all this brokenness with people. And I think brokenness is awesome. But Jesus broke the bread. He blessed it. And he multiplied it. He broke the bread, and people's eyes were open to see. 
And see, that's really what God wants to do. He wants us to get past being broke to the blessing part. Of he broke, we went through a break, a season of brokenness. We went through a season of disappointment. We went through a season of hurt and loss. And God has said, now, yes, that happened. It's true. But now it's time. It's time to enter into the blessing, into the supernatural aspect of being. It really is. Well, that's what the Lord showed me in that dream last night. Is every time he put his hands on bread, he broke it and blessed it. Isn't that awesome? Are y'all all right? He's calling us out of our brokenness into his blessing. And so that choice is up to you this morning. You can stay where you are, okay? But you shouldn't stay where you are because the Lord is inviting you out of that place of where you've been. He's inviting you out of the past season into a new time in your life. That's a great word for 2015. I mean, that to me is like, that's the good news, right? That's what I'm going for. Um, they can either set you back or enlarge you, your difficulties. So, Lord help, right? Here's this thing about favor also has to do with favor with men. I really wanted to say a couple of things about that because um, it's really a, been a challenge in my life. Because, not because I'm a bad person necessarily. It's because I'm an introvert by nature, okay? And introverts can struggle in relationships because introverts are happy with themselves. I'm happy with me. I, I'm happy to be with me, you know? So I'm, it's not natural for me to be real relational. Going to a party to me is miserable. Like, oh, please don't make me do that. Please, can I just stay at home? I'll be happy at home. You know, I just play solitaire or whatever, but I'm happy. That's why I like playing solitaire. It's a game for me. I play myself in it. Anyways, but this is what the Lord, the way we relate to other people. This is really important now. I want you to get this. You can't, this is what the Lord told me one time. You can't be all spiritual and dishonor other people and disrespect people. That's what he said. That's not going to work. In other words, he was saying, if you want to be a spiritual person, if you want me to reveal myself to you, if you want the spirituality that you're seeking, you're going to have to make some adjustments in the way you treat people. You're going to have to become a more friendly human being. You know? And so Job, this is the thing about Job. Before Job got that blessing of double, guess what he had to do? He had to pray for those people who abused him and bless those people. Because that kind of thing will hinder God's favor from working in your life. Do y'all hear what I'm saying to you? If you've got issues with people in your life from the past, God is asking you today to pull out one of those cards that he gave you. Okay? And this is what he did with me one day. Really recently, I had this person in my life for about a year that about just did me in. I was so furious with them, and I forgave them about 9,000 times. You know, I mean, it was like that. I forgive them, Lord bless them. They're great, honestly. They're awesome people. They don't, really don't mean it. I'm really, really sad that they're making me so mad right now, you know. One day I was up and visiting my daughter up in Durham, and I was driving down the road, and I saw a Monopoly board, and I saw the card flip over, get out of jail free. Instantly I knew what the Lord was talking about. Because I had been thinking about that person. I was going through one of my forgiven prayers. 
And the Lord, I'm telling you, there was grace on that card. There was grace on that card. When I took that, I mean, honestly, I said, I give them. They're out of jail, Lord. I bless them. And I really meant it from the bottom of my heart. And I prayed for them. Lord, please help them. I, ble- I didn't say help them fix the mess that they were creating for me. I was praying that God would touch their lives, bless their lives, reveal himself to them, and prosper them. I was giving them the get-out-of-jail-free card, but really I was getting out of jail. And God showed me that I have a stack of get-out-of-jail-free get cards. You got a stack of you, every one of those cards on that board were get out of jail free cards. Every one of them. And so God has given all of us a stack of get out of jail free cards. And when we make a choice to offer that to that person, then we're realizing I'm getting out of jail. I'm getting free. And like Job, when he prayed for his, the Lord said, You pray for your friends. He pr- the, friend, the three friends that wore him out for 30-something chapters and told him how terrible he was and how messed up he was. You know, the ones that backslid if they wept over him. And when he did it, the, it says the Lord restored the fortunes of Job two times. And if you want restoration today and you have that in your life, please, you know, get this grace that we're talking about. Get, your, get out of jail for regard and start a hand in it. Hand it out, and I'm telling you, it'll do something for you. It's really freedom for you. It will change your heart towards that person. And, and I went so far with that person that I offered extra help to them. Like I called them like, what can I do for you to really help you over the next few months? I told them that, and they were like, seriously? <laughs> you know? Well, here's what you can do. And they, they actually asked me to do some things for them. And I gladly in my heart able to do those things and see I believe that really is important you know for us um, about getting favors with favor with others because if you don't do that you're going to hinder the favor of God flowing in your life that's, that's a hindrance it doesn't mean the favor is not there it's, a, it's there it's available but it will hinder it will clog your life up right are y'all okay y'all are mm. Lord have mercy I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be able to finish this today. I want to tell you some things, a little bit more about this, though. This is what the Lord showed me about, about me. You and I are made up. Of, we're triune. We have a body, a soul, and a spirit. And what the Lord showed me is you need to take care of each part of that in your life if you want to be you know, moving everything I have for you. You don't need to ne- neglect any part. You don't ne- need to neglect your soul. You need to make sure your soul's healthy. You don't need to neglect your body, even though I eat a lot. But I'm not neglecting it. I'm taking care of it. I do exercise a lot, too. I'm not here trying to preach about exercise, but I am saying this. God expects us, if we're going to grow into stature, you, if you're sitting at home crippled from eating hamburgers all the time, it's going to be hard for you to do everything God's called you to do, honestly. I'm just saying that. It's just going to be hard for you to fulfill the purpose in your life. Imagine Jesus, he got so big and heavy that he couldn't do the walking he had to do to fulfill this. I'm just trying to be practical. I'm not putting down anybody that's got weight problems. I realize, you know, we can have weight problems. I'm just saying we need to be thinking about this because that's what the Lord told me. He told me one time, you need more recreation in your life. 
That's what he told me. You need more recreation in your life. You're too, you're too all in these books and, you know, all in the computer and, you know. And I realize recreation's good. I mean, mercy, Lord, hush, Becky. <laughs> Becky knows I'm obsessed about things, but anyways. So here's something I've done, and maybe it'll help you if you are an introvert, especially, or if you are... A workaholic. You like to work all the time and involve yourself in other things all the time. Is one, this is what the Lord showed me to do, is one, you need to make space in your life for your family. I mean, I mean don't, let my, don't let your family be the last one to get, you know, we schedule everybody else in the world. Like, we've got this schedule. Well, if you've got to schedule time with your family, schedule time with your family. Make, set a, don't, here's, don't fill your schedule up so full that you don't have time for what's really important. And, and here's what Becky and I have learned. If we're going to do what God's called us to do, we had to create space in our schedule because there's always something that could come into your life and you need to be able to be spontaneous. You know? You need to be able to entertain people that you don't know that God brings into your life. You know, you need to have, if you are focused on doing something, you need to be able to, when God interrupts it, to not throw a fit like I have done many times. Like, I don't have time for this, Lord. Why is this person here? I've got other things to do. I've got to study the Bible. I've got to pray. And this person here, they just want to come and hang around and talk about nothing. But I found out when I changed my attitude is that person came to talk to me. That person came to tell me something I wanted. I need to hear from God. God brought them into my life. And I was rejecting them because I was too busy living my life the way I designed to live it. And God is saying, that's ridiculous. Is anybody else in the room as bad as I am about that stuff? (laughs) I mean, I'm really bad about that. I'm not as bad as I used to be. Chance encounters. And then investing in, in those really key relationships that God gives you. Because you can't over, you know, you can't invest in every relationship real heavily, right? You, but you have to find out the ones you're supposed to invest in. And see, to me, that's, that's growing with favor of me. And that's growing socially. That's growing emotionally with other people. And that's really important to the Lord. Because if you don't do that, you know, the favor of God's going to be hindered in your life. And people that God wanted to bring into your life, He's not going to be able to bring them into your life because they're not going to feel welcomed in your life. Okay? They're not going to feel welcomed. And if we are people who say, we want the Father's living room, we want a welcoming heart, you know? Can I just end on this one little story and just tell you about my... This is how I learned this. is through Scott Forsyth. And they, they don't know this. But when they came to the church, I had this philosophy about church. My philosophy is, well, I'm not, I'm not going to help anybody come to this church. That was, I mean, that was my philosophy. If they were supposed to be here, God will show them that God doesn't need me to help them. And I was hearing Scott and Melissa talk one time while they came to the church and I felt, felt in my heart, I felt broken in my heart because I realized that God truly brought them to this church. 
Yet I purposely ignored them for a long time because of my ridiculous position that I had taken. And it was just ridiculous. And the Lord, that was really a turning point for me to realize that God has a welcoming heart. And whether it is not like you're like trying to get people to come, you're just welcoming them because God is welcoming. And that people need to know that they're welcome and they're cared about. And that they're loved. Whether they just pass through your life or they stay in your life. That's really not the point. The point is when you begin to get a revelation of the Father, you realize the Father has a big heart and His heart's open to people. And He's always entreating people to Himself. And He wants people to feel that. And so I made a decision after that night. My decision was this, Lord, please give me the gift of hospitality. Please give me a heart to welcome people because that's your heart. That's your heart. And it's not only your heart in church, it's your heart in the restaurant. It's your heart at Walmart. It's your heart at work. It's your heart at home when somebody knocks on the door. Some neighbor like, what are they doing here? (laughs) It's not the Lord's heart for us to feel that way. And so I believe the Lord really does want us to grow. Maybe one day we'll talk about growing in wisdom, but yeah, amen. Why don't we just stop here? Let me just tell you this one little secret before we... I really feel like I want to tell you this. It's really more part of the wisdom thing, but I feel like what I've had to learn how to do was... Um, there's an impartation. When somebody speaks, testifies, preaches, or teaches. If it's the Lord, there's an impartation. And the key is, is catching the impartation. You know, for a long time when I would listen to preaching, I would listen to what they were saying, everything, and I'm working through this in my mind, blah, blah, blah. But when I started hanging around with Bob Jones, I figured out, oh, gosh, that's working through confusion to me. Because <laughs> everything he said, like, what does this mean? <laughs> I had no clue what he was talking about half the time. But this is what I learned. There's something in what a person says that there'll be a weight on or there'll be a wind on. There'll be something on it, and you'll feel it. If you'll pay attention, you will feel it. And that's really what God's saying to you. That's what God's trying to release to you. And I have literally had to bite my tongue when Becky or Marlon or Matthew and them was preaching not to stand up when they were speaking, when I felt that thing come to say to everybody, hey, did you get that? That was really important. That was the word of the Lord. But you know what? It may have not been the word of the Lord for everybody else. It was the word of the Lord for me, though. Do you see what I'm saying? And so God wants to teach us to get out of our mind. I mean, I'm telling you this, to get out of your mind and receive something from Him. Does that make any sense whatsoever? See, I believe that's going to be important for us going forward. I hope y'all are getting this. This is really important. You know, is to be able to catch that thing that God is really specifically saying to you. I learned you could talk to people and they'll talk to you about your message and they'll be telling you stuff that you said and you're thinking, I didn't say that. Like, they're telling you back your message and you're thinking, I never said that. How did you get that? You know how they got it? God was saying it to them. God was saying it to them, and somehow they thought they heard you say it, and you may have said it in another way.
but it was God speaking into their heart. And see, that's how God wants to grow us. He wants you to catch. He don't want you to grow. And I love teaching. I love Bible teachers. Oh, I just really love all that. But you know what I really love? I love impartation because impartation transforms you. Impartation makes you a different person. The other stuff is just like framework to kind of help you with it. Like, oh, okay, well, that's what that part of that scripture says. I, I see what this, how this impartation works now in my life. Are y'all following that? I think that's going to be really important for you this year is to be able to learn how to catch. That's what I always thought. Was some preachers come like, put your, put your catcher's mitt on. <laughs> you're, just going to, you're just going to catch it. If you catch it, you got it. You got that? Why don't you stand up and I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to ask the ministry team to come up here. Hey, listen. Get out a jail free card. That's important for you. If you want, if you want the favor of the Lord to be increased in your life, get that stack. Get that stack of get out of jail free cards out. Get it out and start giving it out. And you may have to give it out two or three times, or twenty-three times. Or Jesus said 70 times 7. That's what he said. In fact, he said, listen, I got an endless supply of get-out-of-jail-free cards. I got so many, you wouldn't even believe it. And I need somebody to start using them. <laughs> That's what he's telling. I need somebody to get these things and start using them because they're backed up. So if you are in that place in your life, and I know some of you are because you've gotten hurt and the people have hurt you. You give that get-out-of-jail-free card out. And you're going to see the Lord, He's going to start restoring your life. You're going to see God start moving in your life and doing some stuff for you. And there's grace for it. It's not something we do out of our flesh. There's grace, grace, grace. So, Lord, we just thank you for the get-out-of-jail-free card today. Yes, Lord. And, Lord, thank you that this year is a year for, for the people in this room and this church, Lord, that's been broken, broken down, Lord. This is a year, Lord, that you're going to say, I bless this bread now. I bless this bread. And something supernatural is going to happen. I just see that God's going to do that supernatural. For those who have allowed him, he, you know, let, just put yourself, see yourself as a piece of bread. See yourself as that bread, broken bread in the hands of the Lord. He's going to multiply you. He's going to do something supernatural. He's going to accelerate you. He's going to bring you up. It's time for for you to come up. It's time for you to get out of your wilderness thinking. It's time for you to come up and start living a different life, thinking a different way. It's not time to dwell on what was. It's time to look forward in Christ. It's time a day of new revelation. It's time to take the revelations that you had from the past and live them revelations. That's wisdom. Wisdom is revelation that God has given you in the past that you have lived. God is saying, live live what you have. Live what you have, and I'll give you more revelation. That will open the door for more from heaven. But live what you have. Live what you have. What you know to be the truth. If you're a Christian this morning who got saved but never, never walked with Christ, you're not living the revelation of salvation. Start walking with Him. That's the revelation of salvation. 
That will become wisdom in your life, and God will begin to reveal more to you. There's so many revelations floating around up there in the spiritual realm that God wants to release to people. And what releases us when we live what we have. Amen. Is that good? That's a good that's a great word there, man. I'm telling you. I, I'm not saying I, I came up with that little. Yeah. Yeah. So Lord, we just release that on the people of God, the important people, your people. Let me just say one more thing. This is what God told me out of Psalm 78. He said, Jacob is my people. Jacob is my people. And then he said, it's no accident that Angel Stewart married Jacob Whitlow. It is no accident that Amy Early married Jacob Early. Angel Whitlow now. Did you get that? And the Lord said to me, Jacob is my people. He's saying, you, you're Jacob. You are my people. That's what he said to me. You're my people. You're my people. You're God's people. He is claiming you as his own. He's claiming you as family. And I believe if you'll believe that today, it can profoundly affect your life. That you are part of God's family. I pray that. That you would see that you belong to, belong to Him. That's a beautiful thing, really. So thank you, Lord. Yeah, you want to close it? Amen. Thank you, Father. You know, this morning I was, uh, <clears throat> I was listening to, to John. And I was thinking about the story where Jesus multiplied the five loaves and the two fish. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit started speaking to me about that number five being the number for grace. And the Lord, Him, and the Holy Spirit was saying that uh, that piece of bread represented, those five loaves represented His grace. And he multiplied that to the multitude. And they ate to the full. And so that you can know that Jesus himself, whose grace is more than enough. Guess how many more baskets were left over? So he's more than enough. His grace, when he told Paul, is more than enough. It's, it's sufficient. It's truly sufficient. And it can carry you through this year, throughout your life, throughout heaven. So, Father, we thank you for that message. We receive it. Just say, I receive it, Father. Because there's something that happens to you. There's something that's important when you say, I receive it. It goes into you. It's a gift from the Father. So, Father, we receive that word. We receive that grace. And we just say, Father, we love you. We honor you. We honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Holy Ghost. And I pray that the Father's love will consume you. As you go, that his light will be upon you. And that his face will always be towards you. And we all say it. Amen. So we have the ministry team come up here. So if you need prayer for any healing, deeper impartation of the grace, 
any situations that you have going on with your family and you need somebody to stand with you, we have lovely ministry people to come and pray with you up here. And if you don't need any of that, may the Lord bless you and you dismiss, man. Go enjoy the playoffs.